The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul, when His blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in His precious blood, my sin to atone, and I started... Romans chapter 12, I've been, I've been challenged. I've been challenged by the Bible. If you will read your book, and I don't mean hear it, hit and miss, hear a little, there a little. I mean, you'll decide to read the book through every year, minimum once a year. Uh, you, you, you'll find the Bible will challenge you. You say, well, I've already read it. You don't under, if people that tell me they've read the Bible don't need to read it again, just do, do not understand the Bible. They don't understand. There's two possibilities. Number one, they're not born again. They don't have the Spirit of God, and it didn't make much sense to them. Or they're babies in Christ to the place where they didn't understand what they ate and how much more food there is there on the plate. That's like going through a, a golden corral and saying, I ate all the food. I mean, you left a whole lot on the table, on a whole lot up there. There's still more. And the Bible never has exhausted itself to me. And I've tried to study it in every way I know to study it, background, foreground, uh, you know, historical, and all the other places, archaeological. And it's still rich as it ever was. In fact, it's richer today at 64 years old than it ever was when I was younger. So the Bible will not disappoint you if you put your time in it. But I'm going to tell you what, when you decide to do it, the devil himself and the forces of darkness will come against you. And your own flesh will come against you. Possibly your own relatives will come against you not to read it. Read it. Years ago when I was a young man, I listened to an old preacher talking about the things of God, and the Holy Spirit whispered to me. I was probably about 12, 13, 14, maybe in that area, and he said, whispered to me and says, you can know what he knows, but you got to read the book. And I thought, you know, I may not ever be smart about much, and that has fulfilled itself. But back then I didn't know. I said, I may not ever be smart about much, but I want to know the Bible. I may not know geography and geology and calculus, and I'll never know trigonometry. I'll never know uh, some of those subjects, but I'm going to tell you what, you can know the Bible. I hope, yeah, I hope you will be challenged today, because the verse that we're challenged with today is the 21st verse of the 12th chapter. Let me read quickly down through that because I'm going, to re, I'm going to come back to it. Actually, actually, I'm not going to read. I'm just going to read verse 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Father, help us this morning. May you come, as only you can, break through the darkness into the long-term memory. May the blessed Holy Spirit, you break down every barrier. In Jesus' name, amen. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. I was challenged by that this week, or maybe last week when I did. I think I prepared this last week. 
uh, I was challenged, but I've been meditating on it ever since. Overcome evil with good is where I want to kind of light and stay a while. These, in verse 21, is a summation statement. Paul had his teaching technique was he would go into detail and and in, in, in a great detail on a subject, and then he would come to the end, as any good writer will do, and he'll summarize it. He'll come up with a summation statement. Now, I've talked about all these details, but in essence, here's what I'm really meaning. If you've ever written papers, you have to do that. Reiterate the thesis statement, they call it. And you have to do that. Because you need to be reminded, after you've gone through all these details, you need to kind of be reminded, exactly where was he going on? And where was he going? He says, be not overcome with evil. You know, in Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, a phrase he uses there, he says, you pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us or are debtors to us. Deliver us from evil. I hope you pray that. Deliver me from evil. Be not overcome with evil. Lord Jesus, deliver me from this present evil world. Deliver me from this present evil nature that I have even dwelling in me. Wow. Well, the blessed Holy Spirit, after you're born again, guide you day by day on your practical sanctification. And one way he does it is with this last phrase, but overcome evil with good. These are marching orders for the Christian life. Our way is not like the world's. The normal way we naturally think about things is about 99% wrong biblically. If you just trust your earthly wisdom and your common sense and what your grandma and grandpa and mom and dad taught you, if it's not based on the Bible, if it's just based on human wisdom, it's 90 plus percent of the time contradictory to what God says in the Bible. The spiritual walk as a Christian is radically different than the normal, natural human walk. God's ways are indeed not man's ways. These truths in this passage may be some of the hardest truths in the Bible to get right. Everything around us seems to say no to them internally and externally. We're encouraged not to practice the things that Paul mentions, and I'll go back and mention, go through them one at a time. But God will not take no for an answer here. Jesus led the way and we are to follow. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and what do they do? They follow. They follow. The new, this new biblical worldview cannot be accomplished with the flesh and just with willpower for very long. Now, I see people go a long way on willpower, but it's hollow. That's what the Pharisees were living by. They were living by willpower 
externally they were righteous, but their willpower would not make their internal part of them righteous. The Holy Spirit of God makes the internal part righteous, and then that, that comes out to the external part. So the way we become righteous is first internally, and then it goes out to externally. We must be transformed by God himself through the renewing of our mind in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 earlier in this chapter. No other way is real or lasting except God's way. Let me ask you a question this morning. Doesn't evil bother you? Take your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. If you, if you find it difficult turning in the Bible, try, don't, don't, don't do it. Some of you use electronic Bibles. It's a lot faster to turn for sure. Um, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, it says, a couple verses, and deliver just Lot, just Lot. If you didn't know Peter, you wouldn't consider Lot just, but the Bible says he was. He delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. If you know much about the Bible, in Genesis chapter 18, where it talks about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and the two young, the two angels coming in there to get Lot out of there and what went on in that whole passage there, uh, you realize that Lot, uh, in his what they tell you here, you would not know except this was in the Bible that Lot was living among these uh, homosexuals, uh, transgenders, um, every kind of weirdo thing in the world was, at, was in Sodom and Gomorrah into the place where the immorality came up in the nostrils of God Almighty as a putrefying smell to where he came down and sent two of his angels there to totally annihilate the place with a thing called brimstone. We believe archaeologically that the south section of the, Red, of the Dead Sea is where Sodom and Gomorrah used to be. There's real evidence that Sodom and Gomorrah was at the southern part of the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea didn't used to be dead. It became dead after Sodom and Gomorrah because the rain of this brimstone and things must have evidently blocked off the water flow of the Jordan River further south, and it stopped there. And consequently, because it had no outflow, the salt and the minerals of the Jordan River for all these years had just been building up and building up and building up. And to where the uh, specific gravity, I know I'm getting technical, the specific gravity of the water now is so high that when you go into the Dead Sea, you float vertically from the waist. The water's right at your waist here, vertically. Amen? Some of you may float feet up, but I mean... I went in there and floated vertically. And, and it's because the specific gravity of the water is so intense with minerals. How did that all happen? Well, part of Sodom and Gomorrah's destruction. The Bible says in Peter, God did that to make Sodom and Gomorrah an example of what he thought about that behavior. Knowing that it was going to reoccur and reoccur and reoccur as the centuries rolled around. But are not you vexed at what you see around you today, born-again Christians? Are you not vexed at the homosexuality that you see in the effeminate men and the masculine women and the feminine, feminine movement? 
You don't need a feminine movement. Aren't you, aren't you vexed at transgender rights? Aren't you vexed at cats marrying dogs and dogs marrying cats and roosters marrying roosters? You say, Brother Bill, you're hate-mongering. No, I'm not. I'm not even using as strong a language as the Bible uses against it. And I'm going to tell you what. I would rather be biblically correct than politically correct. You say, they won't like you. They don't like me anyway. I'm not a hater. If I saw a scorpion on your shoulder, and I, I, you know, I, right now I look, I see a big old scorpion on your shoulder, and I run down there, and I whack you on the shoulder, you're going to get, what in the world are you doing coming down here embarrassing me publicly? Why, you hit me. Yes, I did, but I was trying to save you. And born-again Christian that speaks against homosexuality and transgender is not a hater, he's a lover. He's a lover of their soul because God Almighty will not put up with that. As spoken against it as clear as you a human being or as clear as God can speak in language. We want, we want folks to be saved. We want them to be transformed. I had a homosexual uh, nephew, effeminate and homosexual. For many years, 30 years, he was homosexual. One day he got born again. He got up in front of his local fundamental independent Baptist church and denounced and renounced homosexuality as wickedness. And by the way, 10 years later, he's still sticking with it. They can be saved. Paul makes a list here in this passage of good things that we are to be doing, and and he kind of gives us a test. Look in verse 9. He says, we're to love without prejudice. See, the problem with what you've got today is you've got a a bunch of ignorant people trying to redefine terminologies. They say love means never to hate. Are you kidding me? When I took my wedding vows, I took a vow to hate all other women in comparison to my wife. Well, it doesn't doesn't surprise me that this adulterous generation wouldn't want to take a vow like that that would consider taking an exclusivity of a vow to my woman as in comparison hating all other women as offensive. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, look at the verse, verse 9. You love without prejudice, but you abhor that which is evil. You look the word up. The word abhor is like when you're Look at when you're walking, uh, uh, taking you a walk down the road, and there's been a been a possum run over three days ago, and you're down there, you're having a good old time breathing, and all of a sudden you take a big deep of that putrid, heavy, moist roadkill air. I've done it. One time I was one time I was I used to jog. I know you can't believe that, but I was jogging one time and. I went by a roadkill, one of them, you know, was full of flies, and one of them old bloated flies went right down my throat. I mean, I just went, and that thing went right down into my lungs, and I stopped the whole world alongside the road and started just, you know what I started doing. That's what the word abhor means. Just gave you a word picture. We're to love without prejudice, but we're to abhor evil. 
Love without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Look in verse 10. Be kind. I'm going to go quickly through these. Look at this listing, he says, to help us to be sanctified and help us to have the joy of the Lord in your life. Help us to have the power of God in our lives. Love without dissimulation, without prejudice. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. That means you give place for each other, honoring each other. Not slothful in business. That means don't be, there's no place for a lazy person in God's economy. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, that's generosity, given to hospitality. Bless them that persecute you, bless and curse not. That's positive in the face of evil. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. That's having empathy and sympathy. Be of the same mind one to another. That's unity. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. That's humility. Be not wise in your own uh, conceits. Uh, that means you're not always right. Man, it's a great thing when you finally come to realize you don't always have to be right. Re- recompense no man for evil. That means you're not of a vengeful spirit. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. You have a sense of absolute honesty, both publicly and privately. It is, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. That means, and ultimately, you're a peacemaker. When you walk in a room, what comes in? War or peace? Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him to drink. In this doing, you heap coals of fire on his head. We help our enemies when, it, when, we, when we need to. When they need it, we help them. I think that's pretty straight stuff, don't you? That's a lot of things there, isn't it? But these are the normal Christian life. And then in the summation, he says, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, that's the part I want to think about for just the next 15 minutes. In the big picture, after listing all these details, God summarizes how you and I need to end as Christians well, overcoming evil with good. That's it. It's a direction. It's a course we decide to take. It's a lifelong decision that wakes us up and wakes up with us every morning. Uh, We wake up and say, Let's do some good today. Oh, that's a new thought. Uh, yes, there's a lot of evil in the world. I'm, I don't have my head in the sand. I mean, we're not sweeping anything under the rug. Uh, we live in the real world. But, let's, but we should get up every day and let's ask God, help me to do something good today. Now you say, well, God... You don't answer my prayer. Well, when you ask for a new caddy, no. But if you ask for this, God will give it to you. This will transform your whole life. It will transform you. It will transform your mind. It will transform your habits. It will transform your weaknesses. It will take your, it will take your attention off of you, which is half the battle. It will reap massive benefits. It will pay 
high, deep, long-lasting dividends. I don't normally do this, but I'm going to do it. I'm making somebody mad. Can you imagine me making somebody mad? I'm going to make somebody mad. When Bob and Marilyn Rose came to Gospel Baptist, it was a good day for Gospel Baptist. 20 years ago now, as soon as they came in, they started practicing this verse, overcome evil with good. Uh, they began immediately to look around, began to help in church ministries, showed up for every preaching service, began to jump on board, read their Bibles, spoke good words about this preacher when others did not. I know it's hard, hard to believe. They lifted those around them up in prayer. They hand-wrote little notes of encouragement to visitors and guests that came to Sunday school. They had long lists of people over to their house for fish fries. They loved on people. How'd they do it? They adopted this simple little passage in verse 21. They overcame evil with good. They didn't overcome evil by cursing it. Sometimes we spend too much time cursing the darkness rather than just doing what God asks us to do and go out and just do some good. In the biblical definition of good, by the way. Now, the roses have had their trials, and they're not over yet. They've had their problems. They've had their money shortages and their health issues. But they've kept on course in doing good, which is around them. Just the other day, Marilyn told me, well, we can't have the big groups of people. They used to have 30 people over their house at a time. They can't have the big groups of people over anymore, but we're going to try to have just a couple here and a couple there. How many have been over to Roses? Raise your hand. Look at They overcame, Marilyn overcame her tendency to gossip. She's human. She overcame her tendency to be resentful because she's human. She overcame the natural differences she had with people because she's human. She overcame the negatives of rumor. She overcame the negatives of, of a divorce in their lives earlier on. They overcame the negatives that they have gone through of kids or grandkids not doing what's right, and just kept overcoming evil with good. Just kept doing good. People didn't like it, did like it, didn't like this, didn't like it. Just keep doing good. That's our marching orders. It's not complicated. Praise God. The, the, the instructions that Jesus gives to you and I to live the life is not overly complicated. It's doable, is it not? It's different, but it's doable. From, from the example of Maryland, uh, I started sending out birthday cards and, and anniversary cards. How many in here received a birthday or anniversary card from me? Raise your hand. If you haven't, it's your fault, not mine. That's right. If you tell me, you give, don't tell me. If you give Wendy your address, we'll get you a birthday card, and I'll handwrite it in my own hand. And I've spent 
days of time. If I went back and calculated, I've probably spent weeks of time doing nothing but writing out little messages, some corny stuff on your birthday card, anniversary card, how old you are. Man, you're over the hill. You made the hill almost. Congratulations on your last birthday. You reach out to people when they're not reaching out for you. That's what it means to overcome, overcome evil good. You're reaching out to people. They're not reaching to you. Don't wait for people to come. Don't wait. You're going to be old. You're going to get old and lonely. Yeah, I decided a long time ago, I'm not going to sit around sucking my thumb on people who don't call me. I'm going to start calling people. I'm not going to sit around and say, nobody invited me over. I'm going to start inviting people. I'm going to start going to people and being, I want to get on the aggressive side. I want to get on the positive side. Doesn't it sound to this verse like you're supposed to be the aggressor? Overcome evil with good? Doesn't it sound like you're supposed to be the, on the top side of that thing? Not sitting back going, boy, nobody's invited me over. I've been coming to that church for six months. Nobody's invited me over. Well, how many people you invited out? How many people have you said, let's go eat? How many people? Now, let me trust me. I've called 15 people. Have them tell me no. I've dialed 15 people, and every one of them said, no, 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 no. I'm busy. If I had anything else to do, I wouldn't go. Stuff like that. I mean, hey, honey, do we have anything else to do tonight? He's going, now what you don't see is, Oh, no, we got something we got going. Okay, I'm sorry, Bill. I can't go. I'm, I'm not naive. It's okay. I'm not the most lovable guy you ever met. Praise God, no amens on that. That's only because my wife's not here. Luke chapter 14, take a look at it. Luke 14. Luke 14, verses 12 through 14. Didn't I warn you at the beginning of this that this book will set you back. This book will challenge you. This book will, this book will, uh, it'll flat insult you. Jesus' words, Luke 14, 12, 14, then he said also to him that bade him, well, thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, nor thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again recompense be made thee. When thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the blamed, the blind. That thou be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. He didn't even say, it's not health and wealth. It's not that you're going to be recompensed here. He says, you'll be recompensed at the, at the resurrection of the just. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that passage always convicts me. So if you get a call from me to go out to eat, you know that I consider you one of these. Nice, huh? Nice. He's not saying never, 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 but he's trying to give us, get us off of uh, the old good old boy system. Get off of just that little inner circle of people that you always go with. You always fellowship with. 
you always try to get out of that circle a little bit. Amen. Go to somebody. And when Marilyn and I would get together, we would come up with lists of what we call fringe people. That's people that we don't know, she don't know, and that maybe don't want to be known. And we used to go through that list and say, let's invite these people over. And she'd have them over at the house there. And they didn't know her and we didn't know them. And sometimes it don't always work out. But you know what? Just because I'm a baseball player, I get up to bat, I strike out, don't mean I quit baseball. In fact, a good hitter in baseball, if they have a 370, 380 average, that's pretty good. That means they struck out more than they hit, or they fouled out, or they, you know, lobbed out or something. Sometimes in life, you're not going to win every time you get up to bat. You're not going to hit the ball every time you get up to bat, but you keep overcoming evil. How? With good. With good. I get convicted. You know, people come up and say, preacher, I'm depressed. I can cure it. But what they want, when people come in to me and want to cure over depression, they want me to go shazam. I should have me a little magic wand in my office. And I should go, shazam, you're cured. But that's not God's way. Now, once in a while, he, wanted, he wants to do that. He's, old, he's welcome. He can do anytime he wants to do it, any way he wants to do it. But most of the time, he, he's already given you the cure. Evil. Depression's evil. You want to overcome depression? Pursue good. You want to overcome anxiety? Anxiety's evil. You overcome it with good. You want to overcome some of those things that are selfishness and hatred and malignity and a critical spirit where you're so hateful, you hate everybody, everything, and you even hate yourself. You want to overcome that? Overcome evil with good? Start making a list. The order is get saved. No, Christ is your personal Savior. No, and you know you know. Get right. That means say, I'm going to do if this book says it years ago. I said, if this Bible says it, I'll do it. If it says to quit drinking Mountain Dew, I'll quit drinking Mountain Dew. If it says it, I'll do it. And then get compliant. What does that mean? That just simply means I submit myself to your will, oh God. You show it to me, I read it, I'll do it. Overcome evil with good. We cannot overemphasize this. I cannot overemphasize this. I think it's bigger and more powerful than it appears. It's, it's a better cure than Prozac will ever be. It's better than playing with mind chemicals. Just listen to God, take his philosophy, begin small, Start by making your first move. Maybe send a positive email. Do a random act of kindness. Send flowers to somebody who hates you. You got lots of options. Send a gift certificate to somebody that don't like you. And just say, love you, thinking of you. All I can say is if you get a lot of gift certificates. I'd worry about it.
email somebody and say, I got a list on Monday I'm going to email some people because when I preach this, God talks to me too. He's told me a list of people I'm going to email. So if you get an email from me on Monday, it's big. It's a lose-lose for me. But I've already got a list. I made a list of people on Monday I want to send a little email to and just encourage them in the faith. Just encourage them. Just say, I love you, thinking of you, I want to encourage you. Is it that hard? You, Some of you in prayer meeting heard missionaries come by here, and you've heard them say, without me, I did not, I did not tell them to say this. I did not animate them, but they'll come here and say, Preacher Bill, one of the only preachers that actually writes me back in fact, some of them said he's the, he's the one that writes me back the most. Of They'll have 65 other churches support them. I love being number one. Ooh, I like being number one. When he says, preacher, you emailed me and kept in contact with me more than any other preacher, I go, it's not that hard. It's not even hard, and it gives me joy. It actually gives back more than I. it actually takes. All you got to do is listen to God. Start with an email. Start with writing a little letter. Start with a short phone call. Don't have to be long. Don't, have, don't bleed on them. Don't tell them your problems. Call just for them. I call people on a regular basis just for them. Sometimes I sing a little song. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's fun to be alive. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I hope you're feeling fine. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Get up, get up, you sleepyhead. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's fun to be alive. Now get that about 6 a.m., see how it hits you. That's right, that's right. Wow, you're easy. I've called people, they hated life after they heard that. <laughs> Nothing. I want to be selfless. I want to be selfless. But it ain't easy. I want to be like Jesus. It's not easy. Every day you got to get up. And this is a handle to pick the cup up. Overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. Lord Jesus, what good can I do today to somebody? It takes attention off of yourself, which will just depress you if you think much about yourself. Overcome evil with good. Father, help us this morning to overcome evil with good. Oh, what a short little passage. What a short little phrase. But what profundity it holds. Help us to follow you. Help us to be known for our selflessness not for our selfishness. Forgive us where we've 
been selfish and everybody is everybody is and has. I wish I could say I'd never be selfish again, but I'm probably not so this side of heaven. But I ask you to make me less selfish. I ask you to help me to be more giving of my spirit. Like Christ. Help me to know good and do it. Help me not to be overcome with evil. Deliver me from evil. Help some folks here to light the fire in their heart. Come to them. Encourage them to do it. Make a covenant with you this morning. By the grace of God daily, they'll get up and looking for some good to do. Help them to see it. I know I'm talking to born-again Christians mostly this morning. Because without Christ, your personal Savior, you can't do this. You really can't. But if you're here without Christ, you're looking for truth. Jesus died for you. He shed his precious blood, and he was resurrected the third day, sealed by the Father that he is the one. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, God said. Hear ye him. The Bible says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God wants to save you. But you must place your personal, simple, childlike faith in Jesus Christ as, your, as the only one, the Savior of the world. You know Christ your Savior this morning. If not, you're in the best place in the world, most comfortable place you'll ever be in to be saved right now. As we sing in a moment, why don't you make your way to the front. Let someone talk to you about Jesus in here. Take you to the back. Maybe just take a few minutes and as friend to friend show you how they were shown. Whatever it is, when this invitation is over, it doesn't make, make it over. You come, let us know. Father, we pray that you come now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand again.